You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And as many of you know, I've been very blessed to be able to tap into uh, my network of amazing humans that I've been able to collaborate with in the Web2 space. Um, and many of us are kind of uh, playing and learning around here in the, the Web3 arena. And uh, excited for today's guest that we have on the podcast. Uh, actually, Jason and I have known each other uh, for a long while. And, you know, the, the beauty of of this kind of space and, you know, kind of bringing these worlds together is, you know, as I was kind of dabbling into uh, this world, Jason was one that I was be able to ping and we'd have questions and he's like, what are you doing? And why are you over there? And, and how does this kind of connect the dots? And, uh, you know, and for me, it's kind of even comes full steam now where I can bring in uh, Jason to the podcast. And uh, for those that aren't familiar with Mr. Jason Keith, he is the co-founder of Social Fresh, one of the longest running social media conferences uh, in the world. It's one that I've had uh, the luxury and pleasure to be uh, a speaker on and host and and hang out with his amazing partner uh, Nicole as well and uh, they've had been running those events for a really long time um, and they also kind of uh, kicked off an event this past fall which I can actually say it allowed me to get some of our guests for the podcast so formally Jason thank you for uh, NF the it was the NFT fresh which was one of the uh, if not the first one of the first uh, virtual NFT events and just had some amazing interviews uh, and actually I quoted uh, Bored Elon in yesterday's interview for those that are listening to the podcast uh, and actually the quote came from the event that uh, Jason put together and uh, Jason is also involved uh, as the uh, founder of a, a project uh, called Remint uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about DAOs talk about that project but uh, Jason thanks so much for uh, joining the podcast uh, excited to have you here my friend yeah, excited to be here. I think we're, are we live now on 19 platforms broadcasting around the world? I mean, would you expect anything less if you're going to do something with me? I mean, that's kind of what we do, right? I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Really uh, excited to see what you've built with NFT 365 and ADHD coin. Um, and thanks for talking shop with me today to uh, talk some NFTs, talk some Web3. Let's do it. Yeah, for sure. And I, let's jump into it. So, you know, when, when, did, when was your first Social Fresh, just from a context perspective? I started planning the first Social Fresh in 2008. It took place in Charlotte, North Carolina in 2009. And then our 29th Social Fresh event will be uh, in June of this year. First one in person post-COVID back in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, so really stoked about that. And yeah, we've been, uh, it's been a roller coaster the last couple of years, obviously with events, but uh, it's, we've, we've been around the block on the event scene. So actually, so this is a perfect kind of setup, right? Because 
2008, I mean, for a majority of our listeners, I can almost guarantee that you don't have a social media account in, in a way that backs that, that far in, right? And I actually, uh, you know, Gary Vee was talking about this a couple of days ago where, you know, one of his friends in 2011 came to him and said, you know, my life just changed because I jumped on Twitter and we were able to do some investments. And Gary laughed and said, hey, I, I invested in Twitter in 2007. And like that person felt like they were so early in 2011, yet Gary was there in 2007. Very similar context to yourself, right? I think not only from a, a conference perspective, but how you were you were looking at it for, from business value, data, leading into the marketing side. So I'm curious, give us a little context of how, how do you feel as far as being early in Web 3 as you were early in Web 2? What are some of the similarities, maybe some of the differences? Yeah, it's interesting because so full context, I think, you know, we are early in Web 3 today, but there's a lot of people that were a lot earlier than all of us, people that have been investing in Ethereum since 2015, 2016, um, that rode the 2018 huge dip. And it, I, I see a similar trend in social back in the day. So, I mean, Twitter and Facebook launched in, you know, around 2005. I ran my first Facebook ad in 2005, back when you could get 50% click-through rates. Some <laughs> ads were on the left-hand sidebar. Um and, you know, there's probably four or five years there where social was still pretty nascent. It was MySpace days. It was very early for Facebook, very early for Twitter and several others that didn't do as well. And I think once you saw the winners emerging, which was 07, 08, 09, then it became where uh, something that businesses were paying attention to. And we're in that phase right now. We're seeing the winners emerging, the the Ethereum winner, the OpenSea winner, the MetaMask, Coinbase winners, and uh, we're seeing security and best practices starting to emerge. And that's when businesses definitely get interested. I'm curious, you know, um, to that point, you know, you have, you, you mentioned you have Social Fresh that's coming up in June. Uh, great event. We'll put the link in the show note for those that are want to check it out. Uh, I can't, uh, I, the way that you curate events, Jason, I, you know this from uh, you know friendship, but like you do an amazing job of curating speakers, the, the messaging, you know, for those that aren't familiar in that kind of format, you know, Jason does a great job of when you're in there, you don't feel like you're jumping all around. You almost walk through the programming in a way um, that is unlike a lot of conferences and, and let's face it the complete opposite of every nft conference because i feel like every nft conference is like it's a it's a dow conversation crypto back to a dow then to nfts then like nine cryptos it's a very little little bit more uh sporadic and you have that experience but i'm curious for for this event you have coming up how much web3 is integrated because i i think for those that are listening it's it's easy to kind of assume people are all jumping all over the place but let's face it a lot of your businesses brands and those that are involved with your event they have to focus on what's working today not just like what's coming down the pipe. So how, how much Web3 is integrated into your event? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say 90% of companies that are invested in social where they hire some full-time social media staff are not doing anything in, in Web3 today. Um, I think the awareness is much higher. You know, at least half of them or more are aware and thinking about NFTs and Web3. And, you know, some of them are anti-Web3, just like there's a percentage of everyone that is right now. But for the most part, there's heavy interest, not a lot of execution. So, yeah, our conference in June will probably have two sessions that directly talk about Web3 concepts. Um We've got Playboy speaking to that. Um, we've, you know, we've got HubSpot coming in and speaking to some of the community building that they're doing. Um, and we'll have a couple other specific Web3 type speakers. Uh, but most of it not. I, what I think will happen, though, is a lot of sessions will mention NFTs, will mention 
Discord community building. We'll mention kind of some of the Web3 concepts that we're seeing, ownership layers and things like that. Um, and it's just a, it's like you like you alluded to, it's a question of where are the eyeballs today? And, you know, we're, we are too early for companies just to, to wholesale, move a lot of strategy over to Web3. When you have so many people on TikTok hours a day, so many people on Instagram still, even though um, you know they're not as big of a leader as they used to be, Twitter's having a resurgence, Reddit, Snapchat, LinkedIn, all doing pretty well, uh, Pinterest, et cetera. So you know, there's a lot to talk about uh, when it comes to social media marketing still that does not overlap with Web three. But just like you know, two three years ago when we did, you know, when we were telling companies to get ready for TikTok. TikTok became, even though we probably only have two or three sessions out of 15 to 20 sessions that are explicitly about TikTok, it still is that talking point that goes throughout each conversation because it is so relevant to so many things. And I think we'll see that this year with uh, Web3 concepts too. Yeah, I, I say, I share this a lot, but you know, the the TikTok to brand storytelling aha moment I had was actually at Social Fresh with the Washington Post and uh, you know our good buddy there who was able to kind of connect those dots. You know, let's go back to, you know, uh, NFT fresh, which in NFT world, this was uh, 11 years ago, uh, but really it wasn't 11 years ago. It was uh, October. I believe it was October or September. It was in that uh, in that time frame. You know, you you pulled that event together. Talk a little bit about like why you were thinking that event from like that virtual event. And then what was your kind of like impression at that moment of kind of the landscape? Because on the podcast, we talk a lot about like that was forever ago and so much has changed. But it's also like a lot of what was like being said there is still trying to be implemented today. So what is your take as someone to kind of put together a multi-day uh, you know, virtual event really focused directly on uh, NFTs? Yeah, I mean, early in 2021, late in 2020, we realized like the, d- the demand for Web3 strategy was going to be pretty big. Uh, and we started to realize it was going to overlap quite a bit with social eventually. It's not much today, but it's going to be there. You don't have Web3 without a social layer. It just doesn't exist. You, if you can't share your PFP, if you can't talk to other people in a Discord, if you can't uh, you know, um, own something collectively, you can't own something collectively without talking to each other about it typically, right? Uh, and most most DAOs are not automated in the way that the original vision um, you know, thought it would be. Uh, so we saw that overlap. We saw people starting to think about this space and just realized really early on that it was in a sweet spot of our expertise. I originally am an artist by trade, went to art school uh, for a fine arts degree and um, lived in the agency world as a, as a lead creative for a few agencies before I went out on my own and started Social Fresh. And a lot of our clients were finance. A lot of our clients were banking and fintech, and we still work with those folks a lot. So just the, the crypto, NFT art, you know, community social strategy layer, like we were hitting all these points and we, we had people coming to us and asking for help. And we also knew we didn't know everything in the space. So we wanted to do NFT fresh um, because we saw NFTs as a pure social layer to Web3. They do create instant communities, instant community ownership. And we wanted to, number one, learn what we didn't know. And number two, help people understand the scope of where this industry was going to go for businesses and for entrepreneurs. Um, and also just like where we could help the most, right? Because it is such a big space. Like if you want to work in a metaverse play, in an NFT collection, in a DAO, in uh, some type of DeFi co- uh, coin, like you, you, can't know, you can't know all this stuff. You can't be an expert in all this stuff. Uh, so we, we cast kind of a broad net, brought in a ton of experts from 
Mirror, from Rainbow, from uh, Men in Mask, from you know Pussy Riot was there. Board Elon, you mentioned um, Cool Cats, and we got a great lineup and had some amazing discussions. And uh, still to this day, I you know there's stuff I learned in that event. There's conversations that started in that event that are still going, and uh, it was a really great community moment. And I, I really um, formed a lot of good relationships that are still going. Yeah, and I, I I did as well from that event, uh, and I believe you had you were like going through COVID like during the, the event was going on, or I, if I remember that correctly. Um, I mean, what a wild ride! And uh, you know, for those that you know, one of the you know more popular episodes of the podcast is actually with uh, Board Becky and Fame Ladies, and uh, I we went through the story. Like, I bought a Fame Lady on while she was being interviewed uh, on the on that uh, on that event, and I think it's kind of funny how that kind of through line kind of comes through and. And so I'm curious, you know, too, like, you know, you'd, you know, you're always kind of looking at things, you know, I appreciate your, not only your art side of the house, but your finance side of the house. And I would say out of all of the people that like I know in the space that you and I have occupied for a long while, you're very strategic and kind of methodical in the sense of like, I don't think of you as someone that like wastes a lot of time on things that, that aren't going to be either tied to your business or open up like kind of the education lane. And maybe you don't think of yourself that way, but that's how I look at you compared to a lot of others that are, are, are in this space. And so the more like, I mean, in a way, the more you were leaning in, the more it validated for me that I was like, okay, this is, this is interesting. I'm curious how much of your like art finance kind of connection uh, was leading that even maybe more so than the social media marketing, you know, kind of space that you've been, you know, kind of a, a thought leader in for so many years. Yeah. I mean, I, my personal interests in web three in general, I mean, I've always been interested in crypto, never a big, you know, huge investor or, you know, really never really held anything for super long uh, to make me wildly rich today. Um, <laughs> but uh, when NFTs came along, you know, before JPEG summer, I was very interested in NFTs uh, and I think NFTs in general, my passion for art in, throughout my life is probably my biggest connection point. I think that was my first, like, whether this was going to be something for me in, you know, in an entrepreneurial way in business, I was going to be playing around in the NFT space, at least personally, as an investor, as a, as an artist, um, as a creator. And that was number one. And then, I mean, I think, I don't know, I don't know what everyone's journey is, but I think a lot of people get in now through PFPs, through NFT collections, and then they start to learn more about DeFi and crypto and classic crypto concepts and why Ethereum is, you know, so big and such a um, innovative platform. And that's what happened to me. I learned more about the the basics of crypto after I kind of got uh, pilled on, on NFTs. And then I started connecting the points between, all right, you know, banks have competition from Ethereum and why, and what, what are those concepts going to look like? And I'm a firm believer that every bank, every FinTech is going to have to do something in web three just to stay competitive. Um, and I, I see that at, we've talked to clients about that, um, putting together a strategy right now for a, for a major um, finance brand out there. And, you know, it's, I think those are some core concepts that are really important. And then the social layer was, was next after that. I mean, some people have asked me um, questions and in interviews around, you know, are you, it doesn't seem like you're making a big shift from social fresh to your web three work. And we're not like our, all of our web three work is through the brand social fresh. It's through our consulting arm. Um, and we think that is the lens that most brands are going to enter into web three is through a social layer, whether that's a discord community, an NFT, an NFT collection, um, a social token of some sort, all of those are important social layers and just the beginning of it. 
uh, and it's you know our our lens of how social and community work really helps us uh, work with brands on those strategies. And I love that you kind of said that. I'm going to tap into a couple of the things you brought up because I think it's, you know, these are things that we really haven't talked a whole lot about on the podcast, which I think is, you know, even more valuable uh, for us to dial in a little bit more on. But I also want to just like set the stage. Like, you know, you launched that event in like the early fall of like, I mean, that was before, you know, the NFT winter. Um, and it was kind of like during that time where you could sneeze an NFT project out and it would sell out, you know, overnight in the 10K. Um, and yet you were very, you know, you know kind of, not only like figuring out like different um, arenas, but you know, you jumped into a couple uh, DAOs, a couple groups that um, that I was like, okay, I, I see where Jason's going here. But then there's also kind of like the okay, where am I going to fit? And I, and we mentioned you have a you have a project with Remint. Can you talk a little bit about like your ability to have patience and also your ability to kind of figure out where it fits into your business? Because I'm ve- like I'm very worried for the like once you have that aha like you mentioned that we you kind of had in the summer of last year there's a tendency to be like i gotta be in it now doing it now if i'm not i'm gonna be way too late i'm gonna miss the mark and i think a lot of people are either burning themselves out or just delivering something that is half-ass and not you know align with their brand talk about a little bit about your journey from like hey this is where i'm seeing it we launched that event to where you're at kind of today and how you've kind of kind of kind of thought through that process yeah i mean we have a legacy web two business. You know, we do an in-person conference. We do consulting for social media. That business is not going away. Um, we're going to, we're still working on that today. We're doing a lot more things than we used to. And, you know, I've had to kind of staff up to make that, um, to make that work. And then also just in general, you know, coming out of COVID with an in-person business is still tough. Like, you, you know, a lot of conferences are still not selling tickets like they were in 2019. Um, so it's kind of a transition. And I think, for a lot of people, it's going to be that way. Um, I think that's the smartest way to treat that. I don't think you should sell all your stocks and take all of your savings and, and go 100% into Ethereum and start working in DAOs only. Like, you know, that people have done that and it could work for you. I think it's very risky. Um, what? So for me personally, I'll you know, I'm in I'm in Jump DAO. It's one of the first DAOs that I joined, uh, which is probably the leading marketing advertising DAO out there to onboard those folks and. Um, we've kind of coined recently jump day, just kind of like cake day in Reddit jump day as your day that you jump fully into web three. Like you are now working in web three, you're getting paid in crypto. You're working for a crypto company or a web three company of some sort or an NFT collection. And I think, you know, probably in the next year I could be working hundred percent in, in that space. Um, but it's a slow transition. And I think if I asked every client today and every person that bought a ticket to the conference to pay us in, in some type of uh, cryptocurrency, I think that would not work very well as a business. But all the new projects, all the new consulting that we're working on, all the biggest work we're working on today is pretty much, I'd say, ninety percent uh, Web three work. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think I mean, I think that's, I love the the context there, right? Because I think it's easy to kind of paint that picture now to understand kind of like the swim lanes, and, and I like the the jump day, you know, concept. You know, we actually just got, you know, we in this week we had a consulting client a sponsorship client and a speaking client, all three pay with ETH, uh, which I thought was, you know, in- actually that's not true. Two of the three pay with ETH, one actually pay with ADHD coin. So, um, you know, but kind of same in, in that same arena, but it was a little bit of an aha for me. Cause I was like, Oh, like, you know, it's one thing like kind of web three, web three only, but I will say like the one brand that paid us is not a web three company. And I, <laughs> I would tell you not a web three, like not a company you would even expect to be able to do that. But for them, 
it made sense and kind of like the the what they're kind of building. I'm curious, you know, you said you jumped, you jumped in the jump Dow, uh, jump, jump into jump Dow. Um, and, and I love what Jeff and, you know, the team have built there and what you've been involved there. Give us a little context of like, what does that like look like? What is it? What is jump Dow like from a, like a, a hundred foot, you know, thousand foot level? Because I think there's a lot of people that hear Dow. They hear people talk about like this decentralized autonomous organization, but like actually visualizing like the roles and the way that kind of operates. Most people don't have that experience. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I'll preface with every DAO is different. Some of them are very autonomous, very scaled. Some are, are less organized intentionally that way. Um, basically, it's a Discord server where there's a few thousand people that are members right now. Um, some of the biggest brands and biggest agencies in the world are in there. And uh, there's a small core that's very active in kind of planning and building the brand of Jump DAO, the revenue streams that will come in the future, um, how the membership uh, will will work and function. You know, are we going to sell NFTs? Are we going to have a, a a liquid token outside of the DAO that's tradable uh, for Ethereum and USD? Are we going to have um, people be able to pay via regular fiat currency to be members? Um, we have a newsletter. There's a podcast uh, every Friday at 4 p.m. today. We will do our um, weekly news debrief. So we talk about the biggest topics of Web three of the week and chat through the impact on business and marketing uh, for that. That's one of my favorite pieces of it. And we have interviews constantly with experts. Um, It's, you know, I'd say it's kind of becoming a media brand that's run as a collective. We have a social token in there that's not liquid yet, just like you would have for ADHD, except yours is liquid. Um, And you can get uh, jump tokens for, you know, contributing to the newsletter or uh, working on a, on a working group. Um, I, I did a lot of the early branding for it and got a lot of tokens for that. Uh, so if those become worth something someday, I can cash those in. I mean, I didn't really do it for the token. I did it because I wanted to um, have the experience of building a DAO and working with other people. You basically volunteer your time on the projects you want to work on. You get compensated with those things on the blockchain, uh, whether that's in different DAOs, that's a token, an NFT or both, um, or access layers. And uh, you you know, it could be short run. You could work on something for a week or two, or you could be a regular contributor for months uh, like I have. So it's um, it's a volunteer opportunity in a lot of ways these days. But a lot of DAOs are getting very, uh, very close to being really functional corporations where you are getting paid in different uh, different value exchanges, whether it's fiat, cryptocurrencies, NFTs. And that becomes a full time career for a lot of folks. And we have several members that work in Jump DAO and other DAOs full time. And that's what they do. I love that. And I, and I, and I will say, you know, I've been able to uh, participate, uh, not as much as I would probably love, but I have been able to jump in there. Um, and I, 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 I love, you know, the kind of like the structure, but also they kind of like you're adding on utility and value before you're kind of putting it out there. And I feel like jump Dow is actually building the jump Dow in a traditional way of actually building a business where there is a business plan. There is proof of execution. It's almost the opposite of a lot of what every NFT project is, is like, let me throw something out there. If we sell out all of a sudden I'll figure out a business plan. I'll figure out the back end. Um, and I think that's also why, 
um, when we see some of these, like Proof Collective, um, which many are, are familiar with, and if you're not familiar with Proof Collective, they're the ones behind Moonbirds, which I think everyone in this space um, is familiar with. And then there's also ones like uh, we have, you know, like uh, CPG uh, and, you know, some of the other, you know, I would say uh, collective DAO kind of movements. What was your take on like kind of, um, you know, I'm not, you know, I haven't asked you this ahead of time. So just on Proof and then uh, Moonbirds and kind of like what did that mean for this space as a whole because there was a little bit of confusion i actually was interviewed asked to be interviewed for a uh, a blog post for a, actually a very large publication and it was funny because they sent me questions that i just send back and say i don't think you know what proof collective what like proof is like i was like as much as you like those questions aren't going to be able to be answered here and so i think that was part of like kind of this uh you know where we where we're all at but i'm curious like what is your take on on proof and moonbirds and and just kind of how that all kind of came to life yeah, I mean, I, I I told people from day one, Proof was going to be pretty huge. Um, and as soon as they launched Moonbirds, I mean, I signed up and tried to get in. And, I, and as most people did not get uh, into the raffle. So I, I will say it is a representation of where a piece of the industry is going to go, meaning operators are going to come in. People that run successful startups are going to come into Web3. They're coming into Web3 now, and they're just going to blow up the scale that you know, anonymous DGENs have been doing a good job with so far. Not every project is going to be run by a Gary V or a Kevin Rose, but I think you're going to see projects like that continue to show up from very established, trusted um, people with a, you know, a history of success. And I think, you know, there will still be projects that are very successful. They come from anonymous artists and anonymous teams uh, but we're, you're going to start to see a professionalism in the space. And I think that's good and bad. Uh, I don't think everything has to be um, a corporation at the end of the day, but you will see a, that piece of the industry continue to grow. Um, I think I think what Kevin Rose is doing is really good. I think it's uh, there's a lot of these investor clubs from Flamingo Dow, one of the first, all the way to Proof, one of the most recent and probably the two most successful ones that I've seen, period, um, that are just inaccessible to a lot of people. But I do think they give you blueprints and they are innovating and they show you what's possible. Even if you can't achieve that scale, uh, you can do your version of that. No, I love that. And I also love that we had the sirens come in the background just as uh, you're kind of, kind of sounding the alarm of uh, you know, like this. There, not everyone uh, can have you know, the Gary Vee, the Kevin Rose, the, you know, and even, I think there's also something like, uh, actually we did a podcast episode on it just from a standpoint of like, we can listen and learn, but we also have to manage expectations and also recognize a lot of the, you know, the cloud and things that were brought in. And also we don't know what that looks like six months from now on how that is kind of accepted. There hasn't been quote unquote proof uh, of this kind of like uh, success long-term. And with that being said, you know, a lot of projects, you know, you and I message, we, we kind of an open text, uh, you know, line on a regular basis. And, you know, I would say like, you know, a lot of, you know, outside of Mint 365, where I'm buying an NFT every day, you know, a lot of projects that I'm getting in, uh, in, you know, some of them are, are, ones that I jumped in early fall last you know summer um, that I'm still very proud to hold. Some of them are, are doing great. Some of them um, are are kind of like I would say have kind of just uh, you know kind of you know I, w- I won't even say petered out, but they kind of have, have come to this spot of like trying to figure out how they kind of revive things. And then there's others that like were building and doing amazing things, and then just kind of gave up. And I know that you know 
with what you're kind of building and with uh, Remint, talk to us a little bit about the inspiration for that and then talk to us a little bit about like where that all kind of comes together. Because I love when you first messaged me um, about this you know, concept, I think I wrote back like all caps, like love it and we need it. But I think it's even more than you know, what uh, um, you know, I can summarize it as. Yeah, so Remit DAO, um, probably like a month ago, I tweeted out, you know, I, 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 we should start uh, an NFT collective where all we do is revive old NFT collections that kind of were deserving but underperforming. And um, there's dozens and dozens of those because the space, I think innovation is moving so quickly. There's so many people getting in, building stuff, uh, that there's just not enough oxygen in the room for every good project for all the great art that's out there to get the love um, and the spotlight that they probably deserve. And I don't think we'll be able to change that, but we want to make some type of dent in that. And we want to research and find collections that uh, can be reminted, can be resurrected. Um, so the response I got from that, I got, I got more DMS from that tweet um, than comments on it <laughs> and probably more DMS than any tweet I've sent out. And people were just very enthusiastic about the concept. So we uh, scaled it up. A few people came together that were interested and helped me uh, build out just the basic fundamentals. We're, we're doing it in a very kind of um, minimum viable uh, product short sort of way. The, the MVP of this is we're bringing together 99 people. I think we've sold maybe 20 of the 99 uh, NFTs so far. Um, we're having our first call in mid-May to do some of the planning. And it's 0.25 ETH each. So it's, you know, it's not nothing uh, as an investment. It's a little more than your average uh, NFT mint, but it's way more affordable than most of these uh, NFT collectives out there that are selling alpha or, you know, the flamingos and the proofs of the world. So uh, I, I think long term, I don't know what this is going to be. The 99 people that buy the uh, prime token that we're starting with um, the Phoenix art there, the pixel art that, that we designed uh, those 99 people will decide where we go next. But I think we could open this up to a lot of people after we prove the concept Um and our whole strategy is just to go by collectively, by individually, uh, promote it through PFPs, Twitter spaces. Uh, we're going to publish a thesis for every collection we invest in. Uh, we're going to work with the founding teams if we're able to. I think that's the ideal. Um, and really just try to bring a, uh, a brand and marketing lens to some of these collections that can put the attention back on what they're building. And I think there's a lot of deserving stuff out there. As far as inspiration, I mean, there's a ton of collections that I've invested in that I think even from their first mint just didn't have a marketing strategy, didn't have necessarily uh, the influencers out there, the, the really high profile people to promote them. Um, and they did have a great team. They did have great art. And there's, there's, I mean, that, and that's okay. Not every collection has to be, uh, has to be board ape or, or, or punks or anything. Um, it's okay to have collections out there that are just great art that have a small community, but I think some of them kind of deserve to, uh, be more recognized and can, and could um, really have some major growth with the right team around them, with the right support around them. And that's what we want to do. And we've got a ton of, honestly, some really talented marketing and branding people there. Uh, we've got some significant, um, you know, NFT investors that have signed up for the group. It's very early though. We just launched these for sales. So uh, we're going to take it slow. If they sell out this week, great. If they sell out next month, that's fine. I, I don't really care. It's a side project for me. It's a really big passion project. Um, and I'm really excited about the community that's already kind of coming together and what we could accomplish. Yeah. And I love that you're kind of, you're allowing it to kind of 
be designing, you know, for those that are listening, like if you want to be a part of something where you can help shape like kind of the direction, how these things are approached. Cause there really isn't a blueprint, you know, I, you know, fame ladies, of course, for those that, you know, are familiar with that project, you know, it was, um, you know, it was discovered that it was run by a bunch of Russian dudes that were claiming to be, you know, females and they launched the project just because they saw a need for female led projects. Um, and you know, then it, they had, you know, uh, data NFT and board Becky, who have actually both been guests on the podcast, um, both had to like kind of work, um, to get the, um, the actual contract back. I believe art chick was actually one of them that actually helped them get the actual contract back and they took it over completely. It's now like community run, no one that was there at the beginning, but then there's a whole bunch of the other version, right? Where there are a lot of great projects that still have a core of 40 to 60% of the original founders that still love it. But it's kind of like, okay, what are you doing now? And how do you compete in like, let's face it in 2022 spring, the competition is is pretty damn bullish, right? So it's a lot different than what it was um, in the fall. I'm curious, you know, for those that are, are thinking about, hey, I might want to, you know, jump into uh, to remit. You know, like I I don't think of this as like I think there's like a beautiful opportunity to. It's not like another alpha group, and it's not ultimately like just another kind of add on, um, you know, a collective or just you know basic DAO. There's there is an element of like hey, we can revive. There's also like additional business model and revenue streams. And I know that's something that you are very aware of as well. And, but there's also like the, the marketing business side. I'm curious, like, you know, you, what have you kind of taken from like the jump down experience um, that you're kind of excited to kind of add into what, what you're doing with Remin as well? Well, just in general, I'm excited for it to be community run, collectively run. Um, I see... You know, for instance, the uh, the thesis piece of this, uh, where we're going to publish a thesis of why are we reinventing this? What do we love about it? Uh, do we love the team, the art, the utility, the community? What what are the pieces of it we think are worthy, and why do we think this will be an investable collection long term? That thesis concept that came from one of the other members after after I launched the initial concept, and it just nice. made so much sense that we we added it to the roadmap immediately. Um, so I'm looking forward to all of those types of um, suggestions. I think in general, I think the potential is very high. You know, starting with 99 members is just our proof case. And um, once we I, I think we'll probably start with smaller, a smaller project to prove um, what we can do at that scale, uh, because 99 people could make a much bigger impact on, you know, a thousand piece collection than a 10,000 piece collection, for instance, um, we'll. And I think we're completely open for this, the, the strategy of what we do, how we do it to grow and evolve based on the members. Um, I really am open to opening it up to a lot more members and a lot more people joining uh, in the long term. If we need to launch a token uh, just to make sure there's an economy there, that makes sense. If not, that's fine, too. Um, I we, we already are talking about having a community uh, NFT token uh, with that's a cheaper way to get in long term. I don't think that's going to launch anytime soon, but uh, just something at a lower level so people can be involved in the process, learn from it, still get early information about what we're doing before the public, but um, not be uh, involved in actual voting necessarily. So there's a lot of levels. I think long term we can actually invest in IP. We could launch our own collections, buy out collections. Um, you know, the, the, seed that we're starting with is very simple and there's a lot of uh opportunity for where it could go 
Yeah, and you mentioned like the price at you know point two five ETH. Uh, you know, for ju- you know, just a little context too for our audience, like. Yeah, there's four, you know, we're buying an NFT every day and uh, there's, you know, I, I was looking this morning at the projects, that, some projects that are launching next week because I'll actually be traveling. I'll be at an event in, in Arizona and I will say four of the projects are dropping with a mint price that is at 0.25 or higher, um, which is I kind of frustrating in a, in a way because like what you're building at like a 0.25 perspective is to me different than kind of the onboarding of a 10,000 piece, uh, you know, PFP collection that they're trying to kind of uh, at that level. Um, it actually inspired a whole podcast episode where I literally just ranted about like how are we selecting these prices and like what the hell is going on with like the total number. Like, I mean, I think that you've, I mean, I didn't know the, the 99 piece, I think like I mean for those that listen to the episode I did that episode prior to you know Jason and I having this interview or even recorded because like I love like the idea like okay 99 where we can come together and probably make a collective decisions and move forward but it's also 99 where it's enough people that we can make an impact in some certain places I'm curious like when you th- originally thought of this was there an, you don't have to share the NFT if you is there was there one collection that like came to mind specifically that was like that damn if i we could if i could pull a group together and do that this is what i would do i mean i probably have a list i have a personal list of probably 30 um and i haven't even shared most of those with the group yet uh just because some of them are not really where we could attack them today um i'm not going to share anything i would nominate for the group uh we're focused on ethereum probably and PFP collections probably and smaller to start. That's at least the general consensus today that could change as the group discusses things. Um, I will tell you something that is an example of one that I think could be really cool is uh, there is there there are a few Solana projects that I think um, could be really cool uh, that are um, you know different. Answer this. I'm trying not to give away too much. Yeah, I, I, I knew when I asked is, the question, I was afraid I was going to lead you down that path. <laughs> um, yeah. So. I'll say this. Uh, there is, um, there's, I think, I think collections where they underminted are really interesting to me. And there are multiple Solana collections and maybe I'll think of one that I can share publicly by the end of our talk today. Um, that I think underminted, maybe they came out with like 200, 500, a thousand out of their 10,000 goal. And just were great little collections, maybe a two-person team, one-person team, five-person team. Didn't get a ton of attention, but the art is great. They've built like fun things on top of it. Some of them are in different parts of the world, outside of the U.S. Um, and I love those. If, if we ever decide we want to invest in and remit a Solana collection, those uh, there are some there that I think are really interesting. Um, but I think those are some good initial targets where we can find a small team that's done a cool thing that didn't get a ton of attention, and we could blow it up. And maybe they you know, still have the rest of the collection that we could release. Uh, maybe not. I don't, I, that's a you know strategy decision I haven't thought through, but um, I will throw out, let's say there's one collection. I think winter bears is an interesting collection right now. Um, they've had a little bit of a uprising. I do own a couple of, of their different collections. Um, they've had a little bit of an uprising. Their, their original team just hasn't been responsive, hasn't executed as fast as the community wants. And the community really wants to take over the project. And I think now the the core team is doing a little more um, and trying to respond to that. Um, and that's a collection that was really hot for, you know, a month or so and has some great original art. Um, they've built some good things. I think they've built four collections now and are, yeah. are building some stuff for the metaverse. Um, I think they've made some major branding, marketing, product decisions that were 
something I would advise them in a different direction on. Uh, and I think there's a lot of collections like that in yeah. that kind of middle of the pack did okay, but could do a, do with a lot of strategy and branding support. I think those are opportunities. Could, could not agree more. Um, and I will also say just for context for our audience too, and you know, we're you know, with buying an NFT every single day, you know, I'm a part of a lot of alpha groups, but I'm also, you know, I have a, a kind of a trusted group of people that will send me uh, things on a regular basis. And I will say, Jason, you've probably out of all of the individuals, you probably have suggested projects that are that aren't like ones that are like hey it's on everyone's radar but you're like hey this is a project you might want to you know um, take a look at some of them were Solana some of them were um, Ethereum and many of them are in our collection now and I was even I was going back looking through the the tweets and I I'd given you a shout out on a couple of them um, back in November and then even a couple in January as well because um, I appreciate your you know the way you, you have the art side of the house you also have the marketing uh, the finance side of the house. You've mentioned a couple of times like Ethereum, underestimating Ethereum, the value of Ethereum. Um, can you talk a little bit about that side? Because I think you have kind of a sense of like, you know, where ETH kind of plays a, a role here that I don't think we've kind of dove into as much here. How are you looking at like ETH as like, you know, its value and as well as like ETH in like the NFT ecosphere as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I, Ethereum is way undervalued right now. Um, it's, you know, once we get to the merge, and you go to Ethereum 2.0, um, you essentially have an investable vehicle for um, enterprise companies, for regular Wall Street investment. And you have a, a business model that not a lot of blockchains have today. Not only that, like 90% of crypto is built on top of Ethereum. I mean, every other roll-up, layer two chain, Polygon is one of the most popular chains. It's built on top of Ethereum. Everything they do to grow Polygon is also building Ethereum, building more revenue for Ethereum, building a larger user base for Ethereum. And I'm, I say that as a big fan of Solana. I love Solana. I hope it does really well. But they're a closed system, less decentralized, less secure, super fast, uh, doing amazing things, great NFT communities there. But Ethereum is just 10,000 miles away uh, ahead of everyone else. And once uh, we start seeing people being able to stake ETH uh, to get a consistent 8 to 12% return, you're competing with the, with the largest stocks in the world and the best returns on the stock market uh, on a regular basis. You're competing with um, hedge funds at that point. So you'll see a lot of institutional money come into Ethereum then, and that creates more scarcity and that creates even more uh, value for Ethereum. So, uh, I, you know, I think whether you're investing in Ethereum directly by buying it and staking it, or whether you're building a business on top of Ethereum or building an NFT collection on top of Ethereum or just investing in Ethereum-based NFTs, I think all of those are valuable plays right now that in the next two years, five years, 10 years will be very smart investments. Um, but this is all guessing. I'm not, again, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't have this, uh, a crystal ball. That's how I'm thinking personally about my um, strategy in the space. And you know, I'll say for all of our listeners here that are, you know, there's 1,605 holders of ADHD coin, and that is an L2 on Ethereum as well. Um, and of course, they rally just also rolled off um, S rally on the Solana side of the house too. So I, I felt that it's a very interesting uh, play. And actually, that's for me, 
the reason I asked you that question also is I know that you're also, you know, bullish and a fan of Solana, but there, I think there's also a reality of where um, Ethereum is today, what the merge will actually mean. Um, and also, like, I, I mean, I would argue a lack of education on, um, you know, true what really Ethereum is as a whole as, as far as a blockchain and then the role even Ether plays. I, I think there's such a such an interesting uh, kind of uh, cross section there. And like, that's actually how I got into this whole space was actually the blockchain side of the house beyond um, what Bitcoin was building or, you know, kind of how that was kind of scaling. Um, that's where like my previous work in the data center and stuff had kind of come to life. I'm curious, you know, Jason, as we kind of pull this kind of together, you know, with Remint, your involvement with Jumped Out, you, of course, are advising um, brands and companies. You have the Social Fresh event. Um, Nicole, uh, your partner, also uh, does some uh, some amazing talks and conversations around money and finance. You know, you're also an artist. So I'm curious from an artist's perspective that, like, you are very dialed in. There's probably maybe two other artists that, you know, we actually, um, you know, we had Matt Caesar, who's a World Series uh, baseball champion from uh, Chicago Clubs, who's also now sold, uh, you know, seven figures worth of art uh, in the NFT space. Uh, and then we had Brian Brinkman on, who's done a lot of work with like, uh, you know, late night TV shows from like 3D animation and such. But like, I'm curious from your side, like, you know, from schooling and, and kind of like art being a love and a passion, are you, the more that you get to learn about this space, are you still as excited and bullish for artists? Because I hate to be the guy that's like the tech guy that's like, we're going to stop starving from starving artists. But like, I'm not the artist. I can't add the context from like thinking of it from like an artist perspective. I'm just curious your take on that view. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I'm bullish for artists. Um, I, I don't know if the space well would be big enough to help all artists. That's a pretty big goal. Um, but they tell you in art school, uh, I, I, I majored briefly in journalism and my real major for, you know, four out of the five years I went to school was fine arts. Uh, in both of those schools, they tell you, you're never going to make money at this. <laughs> Pretty much 99% of the people that major in these things just don't make money. Uh, there's a lot of great artists in the world that make a lot of money, but it's such a small percentage of people that are trained as artists or even just trying to make it as a professional artist in one way or another. Um, I see that changing slowly. I think Web3 is going to be a big part of that. I think it gives a new path. Uh, but just in general, IP is becoming so important. And that's Web3 focused or otherwise. You know, comic books are a big source of blockbuster movies these days. Um, same for novels. You know, if you're a writer uh, who is also an artist, writers are artists as well. Um, writers have new paths for making money and, and bringing IP into this world in a different way. Um, so I think it's a, it's a new space where artists can maximize their opportunities. And I think it's one of the many plays that IP uh, is going to get more interesting over the years. I'm very interested in creating a lot of NFT art. I've, I've, I'm creating a collection right now for a brand um, personally, and I'm creating my own NFT art uh, that I hope to release some stuff later this year. Uh, I don't know where I'll find time to finish it all, but uh, <laughs> I, I think in general, if you're an artist, you should be at least experimenting in this space and learning. I appreciate that context and yeah, excited to see all those different theses that you're rolling out and we'll, we'll include in the show notes uh, for all those listening as well as watching a video. We'll include all the links and such um, below. You know, Jason, I, I appreciate your insight. I appreciate the context you can provide. Also, you know, I think there's some really important lessons in this space on like, you know, your ability to kind of dive in and become active volunteer, like, you know, really get to know. I mean, and if you think about it from a standpoint of like, how do you enter a new industry? Like, 
you help understand like what do I bring to the table, right? Creating an event that allowed you to network, that allowed you to open some doors, then you jumped into some projects that also even expanded that ability, which then opened up, you know, where the where's the ways that I can go from here? And and it's a you know like a six month, eight month, uh, you know, year plus journey. But if you think about it from like what you're building and like the the network and the con the context that you're kind of flip, you know, kind of pushing out. You know, it doesn't have to be a ridiculous daily podcast, right? It doesn't have to be um, someone that is like, you know, the only thing they're doing. And and I would just say, like, I think you're in the weirdest of ways. Like, I would look at this also, like, part of the reason I was excited to have you on is you you have a very successful Web2 uh, business that is what you've been building since, you know, like you said, 2008, 2009, and that have a lot of traditional Web2, you know, deliverables that are going to be around for a long time, right? Like, let's face it, but you've also kind of expanded in a way that just makes sense for a Web2 business, but also a Web2 business that is Web3, you know, leaning and, and, and providing services and, and products there. So I'll, I'll leave it to you on, like, last words, thoughts on, like, uh, things to be excited about, things that you're, you've learned. Like, what do you want to leave us with here as we kind of uh, wrap up this episode? But yeah, I, I just yeah. appreciate all that you shared. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a lot going on, so give, give me about a half hour and I'll tell you everything uh, <laughs> everyone should check out. Um, you know, most relevant for the 365 audience is Remit Dow. Uh, so that's at Remit Dow on Twitter. Um, check out the website, RemitDow.com. Uh, if you're interested in learning more, you can jump in the Discord uh, we do have a section for people that are not buyers yet, um, so you can join that community. Um, we're also building Social Fresh DAO, which is a DAO for social media and community professionals. Very early there, uh, but you can check that out on Twitter as well, or check it from my bio at Jason Keys on Twitter. Um, and in general, uh, if you're interested, if you're working in social, if you're working in community and Web three, uh, check out Social Fresh DAO. Check out our conference. Um, we'll do a, we'll do a code for 20% off for anybody that wants to attend our conference. Nice. If you, if you just use three, six, five as a discount code, you'll get 20% off. And that's really for anybody that's working in social media or community today on like a professional basis, whether that's web three, web two, or otherwise, if that's your gig, check out socialfresh.com slash 2022. And, uh, would love to see people, uh, jump into our discord for, for that side of the business. I'm really interested in where social and web three is going. And that's where I'm spending most of my time. Love it. And yeah, I appreciate you sharing that in the, the discount for, and for anyone that, you know, you're unsure about the event, check out the event and just look at the, the brands and the leaders that are taking the stages there. And I will tell you, um, the downside of the NFT web three, uh, you know, crypto events is that they are not very well curated. They, the most panels are unfortunately given moderators that, um, were just not even volunteer. They were voluntold like, Hey, this is your role. And, uh, it's very unfortunate because, you know, when I look at events like what social fresh has built, you know, the, the truly curated conversations and dynamic examples and every brand that's up there is, is not shilling. They're really going through examples and providing, you know, in-depth thought leadership. Um, you know, I, in a weird way, I hope there's also a, a future of, of you consulting on some of these NFT uh, events that are in the near future that could really use your help on, and vision on what you've learned for all these years and all these events that could really make all of our lives easier because there is nothing more frustrating than really bad panels because people blame the panel format and I can promise you it's not the panel format. It's the, it's the way they're actually curating that. So I don't know if there's anything you want to throw in there at the end there, but I, I just want to throw that out as like a, I didn't want to throw another thing on your plate, but damn, uh, I sit there in, in some of these events and I'm like, man, if Jason could only shed his, uh, his experience to some of these event um, leaders, they would really help out. 
Yeah, open to working with anyone and bring a little of our social fresh magic to their event. Um, the, you know, yeah, thank you for that shout out. The, I, I really love our conference. We've got Lyft and Shopify and HubSpot and Audi and just a ton of big brands and really creative uh, social media practitioners. And that's what we put on stage, people that are doing this work every day. And we put 10 times more care and feeding into um, helping them create the best sessions on stage in the most events that includes the panels as well. So I think that's the best way to do it. If you're asking people to pay money for an event, that's what we do. Sweet. So thank you, Jason. And thank you everybody for listening to another episode of NFT 365. We'll include the links discount code in the, in the show notes as well. And even I hope for, you know, all of our listeners, you know, part of the beauty for me is being able to interview people from all different walks of life, but also allow you to relate to different entry points and experiences and opportunities in this web three world. I think the beauty of it is that the web three world possibilities are pretty much endless and open for just about anything, but that also allows us to be a little bit scared sometimes shooting from the hip. And in some cases just so, so kind of either risk averse or unknown where to start that we just kind of sit there in like the middle of no man's land or no woman's land. And I, I just love the, you know, the path that Jason kind of shared here and, and some of our, our most recent guests. So hopefully you guys take that away. Hopefully you think about it from um, that perspective and, you know, until tomorrow, uh, make it a great day. Cheers. The show.